Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to probe the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God. Do you realize that Jesus was a saving teacher as well as a Savior who died and rose from the dead? Many people seem to think that Jesus just died for their sins and rose from the dead. Well, of course, his death for our sins and his resurrection are absolutely essential to God's saving program. But Jesus also taught with a view to salvation. He was a saving teacher. His words and his gospel are the essence of his program of salvation. You call me Lord and you call me Rabbi, Jesus said, and you do well, John 13, verse 13. We would do well indeed to consider Jesus our Rabbi, our teacher, he taught the way to salvation. Not only did he die to have our sins covered, not only did God, his Father, raise him from the dead, but Jesus himself preached and taught salvation. The gospel, you know, does not go back to Paul and his preaching. It began with Jesus. Paul simply echoed the teaching and the gospel preaching of Jesus. Not for one moment did Paul think of himself as inventing a new gospel. In fact, he said that if anybody distorts the gospel a curse will fall upon him. If Paul had in any way altered the gospel preaching of Jesus, if he'd failed to relay with precision and clarity the gospel as Jesus had preached it, if Paul had done that, he would have put himself under his own curse. You remember in Galatians chapter 1, Paul said, Curses will come upon those who distort the gospel. Paul was at great pains to preach exactly the same gospel as Jesus. The fact that Jesus and Paul preached the same gospel can be proved easily. One simply has to take a Bible and open to Luke chapter 9, verse 11, where we find that the multitudes pursued Jesus, and Jesus then welcomed them and began to speak to them about the kingdom of God. Now, Paul did exactly the same in the 30th verse of Acts chapter 28, at the very end of Luke's account of Paul's ministry there, we read that Paul welcomed the people and began teaching about the kingdom of God and the things concerning Jesus Christ. You see, there's a single unified message to be found, not only among the apostles, but also in the ministry of Jesus, who himself, according to the book of Hebrews, is the great apostle of our faith. Not only is Jesus the chief pastor, according to the Bible, he is the apostle of our faith, and he initiated the gospel preaching by coming into Galilee in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and giving the gospel a definite label. He said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom. Everywhere in the teaching of Jesus, it is the gospel that forms the heart and center of his message. We might say that the kingdom of God is the idea in which the Christian faith is concentrated, kingdom of God is, so to speak, the slogan that Jesus introduced. The kingdom of God is the greatest and most exciting idea ever delivered to the public. The man who spoke like no man before him and no one after him delivered his message in terms of the kingdom of God. That's the heart and center of his mission. I came to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, Jesus said. That's the reason why God commissioned me. Luke 4, verse 43. Now, we've been pursuing the origins of the Christian gospel as it finds its roots in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. 
The message as Jesus brought it was not new. The kingdom of God is an idea found widely in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. In fact, it's the key idea of the whole Bible itself. From Genesis to Revelation, God has a plan, and it's to restore peace and order on this tortured earth by introducing the kingdom of God at the second coming of Jesus. At that time, the world will become the kingdom of God. Heaven, so to speak, as popularly used, will be here on the earth. Heaven, as a place removed from this earth, is nowhere the destination of the dying. Heaven is a popular word which has replaced, most regrettably, replaced the term kingdom of God. No one in the Bible ever said to Jesus, what shall I do to go to heaven? No one spoke of going to heaven or hoping to be in heaven or so-and-so's in heaven. Invariably, in the language of Jesus and the apostles, they speak of inheriting the kingdom of God, of gaining the kingdom of God as a reward. Now, kingdom of God is not the same as heaven. Heaven suggests a place removed from this earth. The kingdom of God, however, will be on this earth, renewed by the presence of Jesus Christ, who at that time will have returned from heaven to govern the nations upon this earth. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said. They're going to have the earth as their inheritance. And that word earth is simply the same word as the land, and that connects us immediately then with the great land promise made to Abraham. No wonder Paul could say that the gospel had been preached to Abraham. The gospel of the kingdom had indeed been preached to Abraham. Well, you might say, how can that be, since the word kingdom does not appear in the records of the covenants made with Abraham? Well, the idea is very simple. The land promise made to Abraham has become the kingdom of God promise in the New Testament. The kingdom of God is simply the land extended to cover the whole world. Blessed are the meek, they're going to inherit the earth, Jesus said. They're going to rule as kings upon the earth, Revelation 5, verse 10. The promise to Abraham was that he would inherit the world, Romans 4, verse 13. Whether you call it the world or the land of Canaan, it makes no difference. The land of Canaan will be the center of the kingdom of God. By the effects and the authority of the kingdom will extend to the far reaches of our earth. Ask of me, God says to the Messiah in Psalm 2, and I will give you, God will give him the ends of the earth as his inheritance. Throughout the Bible, the promised inheritance is based on the great gift of land guaranteed to Abraham in perpetuity. The intriguing question is this. Abraham died without receiving those promises. How then can he come into possession of the inheritance of the world and the land? The simple answer is found throughout the New Testament. Everything in the Bible depends on resurrection. Not only was Jesus raised from the dead to gain immortality, but Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets and the faithful of all the ages must indeed come to life again through resurrection. In Hebrews 11, verse 13, we read that all the heroes of faith, all the righteous of the Hebrew Bible, died not having received the promises. And the same point is made in Hebrews 11:39. The heroes of faith, the prophets, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, David and Moses, Joshua, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and so on, they all died looking for those promises, not having received them, but knowing as they died that they would one day awake from the sleep of death precisely to inherit the promise which had driven their whole mission and ministry 
They're going to receive the land as Jesus promised in Matthew 5, verse 5, and they're going to receive it by being raised from the dead in order to inhabit and to inherit the land and the kingdom of God on this earth forever. That's how the denouement of the biblical story will work itself out. That's how God's grand scheme for restoring peace on this troubled earth is going to work out. It will be by the fulfillment of the land promise made to Abraham, confirmed in Jesus as Messiah, and reaffirmed when Jesus was raised from the dead. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, the argument of the New Testament is, we also can be raised from the dead. And when will that resurrection of the faithful occur? The answer is given us in many passages in the New Testament, but let's single out a key passage. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, says that those who are in Christ, the Christians, will be raised at his coming. And the reference there, of course, is to the future coming of Jesus in power and glory to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. We've been pointing out that Abraham was invited to respond to God's call. Response to God's invitation, his proposition, his declaration, is what is meant by the word faith in the Bible. Believing or having faith, there's no essential difference between those two things. Believing means believing God's word, responding with intelligence to God's declaration and acting upon what God says. Abraham was invited to leave his land, his family, his wider circle of friends, to give up the things that are most precious in life and to go in faith to a land that God would show him. Later in Genesis 13, we find that Abraham was invited to look north, south, east and west. All the land that you see, God said to Abraham, I will give it to you and to your seed. In the 15th chapter of Genesis, that land promise was backed by an unalterable covenant. And there we find introduced for the first time in the Bible the concept of the Word of God coming to Abraham. That term Word of God becomes the Gospel in the New Testament. The technical term for the Gospel is the Word of the Kingdom, Matthew 13:19, or the Word of God, God's message, God's Gospel. Now, God's gospel is built on that covenant promise made with Abraham. Abraham was invited to enjoy and inherit forever the land, and the land was extended to cover the whole earth, according to Psalm 2. I remember, of course, that Abraham was promised not only an inheritance forever, but also a distinguished descendant, and that distinguished descendant was, of course, the Messiah, as we read in Galatians chapter 3. Now, the Messiah was to be the recipient also of the great land promise. Abraham, you see, believed in the Messiah in advance of the Messiah's coming. But it was to the Messiah that God promised this land in perpetuity. And so the promise was made not only to Abraham, but also to Messiah, the promised descendant of Abraham. Now, we Christians are those who believe in that promise, who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and by so doing, we unite ourselves with the cause of Messiah, Messiah's cause and his kingdom message. And so we too are promised a share in that royal inheritance with the Messiah. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said. They're going to inherit the earth. They're going, in other words, to inherit the promises made to Abraham. And that promise made to Abraham that he would be heir of the world, Romans 4.13, 
is to be shared by Christians of all nations uniting in one faith. Unfortunately, the simplicity of the gospel message about the kingdom has been lost. The word kingdom has been replaced by a vague notion of heaven. Heaven, indeed, for a disembodied soul at death. Such an idea is completely alien to the Bible. If you want to understand the Bible with clarity, abandon the idea of disembodied souls currently in heaven. That idea is not found in Scripture. What is found is the promise and the hope of the future inheritance of the kingdom by resurrection. And that great blessing will come to all Christians of all ages only when the Messiah returns, resurrects the dead, and comes into his inheritance of the kingdom of God. That kingdom will last in its first stage for a thousand years and thereafter into the ages of the ages. It may be that you'd like to confirm some of this material in your Bible. We have some study articles which we would be happy to send to you free for your personal Bible study at home. You can use the information at the end of this program to request from us our free book on the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom of the Messiah, and also an article entitled Abraham and the Covenant. If you're interested in what happens to the dead according to the Bible, what is the state of death according to Scripture, request from us also our booklet entitled What Happens When We Die. In that booklet you'll discover that popular ideas about what happens when we die are not necessarily reflective of the truth of Scripture. We invite you to continue with us in our daily investigation of the kingdom of God. Join us again as we continue to probe this most central issue about the saving gospel of the kingdom as Jesus preached it.